Today is Wednesday, January 17, 2024. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. It's been over 100 days into the Israeli-Hamas war, and there are still a shocking amount of hostages unaccounted for. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe, leave a rating, and send us your thoughts. You can email us, write to us, to Billy, myself, Trey, Quick Start Podcast at cbn.org. Joining me now, as always, get through the news of the cray, Billy Hallowell. He's back. Trey's still on assignment in Chosen Land. And appreciate Madison Seals filling in yesterday admirably. Billy, what's up? Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Excited to be here. <laughs> yes. Yes. A ton, a ton to get to. And a hero emerged in this Iowa school shooting. Yeah, you know, it's one of those stories where it's heartbreaking and then there's elements of it that you just really admire this person. It's the, the principal at a high school who lost his life defending students. We'll get into his sacrifice and what the community's saying. Yeah, looking forward to that. And on the main thing, uh, as Israel is keeping up its fight against Hamas in the Gaza Strip and against Hezbollah up north, Israel's defense minister is talking about the nation's future and saying it depends on the outcome of this war, CBN's Mark Martin spoke with former IDF spokesperson Jonathan Conricus on today's main thing, enlightening conversation there, as we still have all those hostages unaccounted for. The media seems to have moved on as it as it pertains to interest in that. And it's it's a lot, it's a lot. We're gonna get to those details here in a moment. But I want to remind you, don't forget to subscribe to the Newsmakers podcast. And there's a new interview on there each and every weekday. Also, the DC Debrief podcast, get your politics every week. New episodes drop on Friday. Subscribe to both. Link in the description to this podcast episode. We're going to go right now to the news in 90 seconds. There are still 132 hostages remaining in Gaza, with at least 107 thought to be still alive, according to Israeli officials. Israel said yesterday that Hamas is carrying out psychological torment as the militant group released a third video in just 24 hours. It showed the same three hostages who are being held in Gaza, the last of which appears to show two of the hostages dead. And specialists and medical centers across Israel are holding internal discussions on how to approach the physical and emotional condition of female hostages some of whom they say could be several weeks pregnant after they had been raped in the October 7th attacks. And one of the experts said, I'm uncertain how they will cope, but we must prepare for this now terrible theoretical possibility of a woman conceiving or raising such a child. And Hulk Hogan, just weeks after we reported his getting baptized, became a real-life hero after rescuing a teenage girl driver from inside her car after she'd flipped it over. And Hulk's wife described the incident. Hulk posted the crazy part about the teenager that flipped her car was that without a knife, the punctured airbags to get her out. It was an Indian Rocks Christian ballpoint pen that really came in handy and actually punctured those uh, airbags. He said, thank you, God, all is well. Those are just some of today's top stories. You can check out those headlines and more over at CBNNews.com. And Billy, we're going to have more on what's going on in Israel coming up here in that conversation with Mark Martin uh, and Jonathan Conricus. And, you know, it just hit me 
the media is sort of lost. They're still reporting on things that are happening in Israel, but you don't get that palpable sense right now that there are still 132 hostages unaccounted for that we don't know what their fate is right now. And there's a couple of them still are kids that are in there and they're still being held hostage. This is insane. It's insane because we're months now past this, yeah. not knowing. I can't imagine these families not knowing. Are they dead? Are they alive? Where are they? You know, what have they gone through? What kind of trauma have they faced? It, it really is. It just underscores the horrific nature. Every time I hear those numbers and I think about those lives of what was done on October 7th. Yeah. I mean, and now they're talking about potentially babies being born from these rapes. It's just horrible, unconscionable evil that we're witnessing over there. And I hope that instead of hearing calls of, well, we need to have a ceasefire now, how about let's pick up the calls to get these hostages out of there? Okay, your Gaza has been leveled already in North Gaza. Just get the hostages out of there. Your, your time is short, Hamas. Your time is short. Let's get the pressure on them to release the hostages instead of on Israel to stop defending themselves. It's It's certainly infuriating, and so we need to be praying for all of those hostages, their families, and we got to just pray for the best possible uh, outcome there. All right, we're going to move on over to the focus story now. And as Billy mentioned just a moment ago, an Iowa principal was hailed a hero after risking his own life to save students. And there's an update. Yeah, it's it's a tragic update. His name is Dan Marburger. He was the principal out there at Perry High School in Perry, Iowa. And uh, there was a 17-year-old gunman who came into the school earlier this month, and the principal was severely injured during um, that event, during that shooting. There was a sixth grader who, who died. There were seven others who were injured, and then the principal was injured. And he ended up passing away, dying on January 14th. So 10 days after the shooting, the principal died. And it's it's really heartbreaking. I'll just read a little bit of the statement. Although the news is not fully set in yet, Dan Marburger gave the ultimate sacrifice. And that wording, the reason that wording was used on a GoFundMe page created to benefit his family um, is that, you know, he was ailing for, for 10 days after this, after being injured, but he gave his life uh, heroically, selflessly to defend other students to protect students in the school when this happened. Um, he again endured significant injuries, putting himself in harm's way to ensure that as many students and staff could get out of the building as possible, uh, reportedly distracting the shooter and going out of his way um, to do that. And so it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking. And at the same time, you look at it and you say, that is the ultimate sacrifice that somebody can willingly make for other people. And it, it's so admirable. Yeah, absolutely. And how did his daughter respond to all of this? Yeah, his daughter, Claire Marburger, who I believe is also a teacher, um, she's, she wrote a Facebook post the day after he was shot um, a couple weeks back. And she said, as I heard of a gunman, I instantly had a feeling my dad would be a victim as he would put himself in harm's way for the benefit of the kids and his staff. And I thought about that, you know, she's saying, I knew right away, once I knew there was a shooter in that school, that he was going to be hurt because I know he's such a selfless person. She said, she went on to say, it is absolutely zero surprise to hear he tried to approach and talk the shooter down and distract him long enough for some students to get out of the cafeteria. That's just dad. Yeah. And that really hit me just reading that, knowing that this, 
this woman who's obviously grieving that she knew her dad was that kind of guy. Yeah. I mean, in this, this kind of makes you think about a couple of things, at least me, when I look at this, like what would I do in this situation? Would I really be willing to sacrifice my own life for this? And, and it certainly brings up uh, a few Bible passages, does it not? It does. You know, I think of John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends, that, you know, that that is the ultimate sacrifice, as I said. And, you know, as you were just saying, you often think, would I do it? Would I not do it? What would that, what would that look like? In those moments, you don't even have time to think, yeah. right? The, the true sort of who you are comes out yep. in that, in that. And I think we saw that with this man. Yeah, absolutely. And um, look, as even though it was a tragic end, it is uh, an inspirational thing that he did, an act of courage to put somebody else, you know, especially younger people and more vulnerable people in, in harm's way and to put himself in harm's way in order to try to save lives. And as everyone was saying, no doubt, he saved countless lives just by slowing him down and allowing other people the opportunity to escape. So certainly prayers to that community and those families that are impacted um, by this, but, you know, kudos to him for having the courage and having the bravery to do uh, to do that in the midst of such absolute horrible, you know, horrible uh, evil that was going on in front of him. So appreciate you putting that one on our radar today, Billy. And we are going to head over to the main thing now. And as we were mentioning earlier, Israel is keeping up the fight against Hamas. They are vowing not to stop until Hamas is defeated. We've also got Hezbollah to worry about up north. And of course, Iran who's funding a lot of this and they have to worry about all of that and more. And so what's happening there in Gaza is incredibly important to the future uh, of Israel. And CBN's Mark Martin spoke with former IDF spokesperson, Jonathan Conricus. He has a lot of insight. He is an IDF spokesperson right up until just recently. So uh, a lot of insight here on what's going on and what we can expect here in the coming days and weeks in Israel and in Gaza. That's today's main thing. Jonathan Conriquez is a former spokesman for the Israel Defense Forces and a senior fellow for the Foundation for Defense of Democracies. He joins us now from our Jerusalem Bureau. Jonathan, what is your assessment of the IDF military campaign in Gaza? What I can say is that we are in transition. Uh, the IDF has brought out and will bring out more troops in order to replenish, rest, repair and prepare for the next stage of operations. Combat is still going on in central and southern Gaza uh, and the IDF is preparing for the next stages of the fighting there. But as your introduction and as the program with uh, Julie just uh, displayed, there are so many other fronts that need to be taken care of and so many other enemies. So the IDF is a little bit scaling down in Gaza, taking out troops in order to prepare them and have them available for other fronts and other tasks that are waiting and are in urgent need of attention. Is there a sense the U.S. wants Israel to reduce the intensity of Israel's campaign to eliminate Hamas? Well, we definitely saw, you know, very strong U.S. support, material support, and we saw uh, uh, word, uh, words and diplo diplomatic support, which was absolutely crucial. 
And uh, many in Israeli society perhaps get a sense of that, that there's a lot of pressure on Israel. But I think what matters most is that, you know, the very strong bond between Jerusalem and Washington, that there's a clear understanding of what needs to be done, and that is the complete destruction of Hamas. And the U.S. government has said that repeatedly and consistently, that that needs to be accomplished. And I think that there's very clear cohesion on that. Then there's perhaps deliberations between the Israeli government and the U.S. administration of how exactly that is done. We know and understand in Israel that there's a tremendous need for you know, minimizing collateral damage and effect on civilians, and Israelis respect that and are very careful to operate accordingly. But at the end of the day, I think that the goals are aligned, there's understanding, there is strategic and diplomatic support by the U.S. for the state of Israel, which is absolutely crucial for obtaining the needs here and for defending Israeli civilians, and that, of course, is how I believe it should continue. Jonathan, what is the situation with Hezbollah on the northern border? It is very complex. You know, we have more than 100,000 Israelis that are internally displaced, basically refugees in their own countries, because the border area close to the uh, Lebanese border is simply not safe to be in. Just two days ago, we had two Israeli civilians killed by a direct hit of a Hezbollah anti-tank missile. They were in their home, in one of the communities in northern Israel, and they were killed, an old mother and her son. That is how dangerous the situation is, and that is why Israeli civilians have been evacuated now for more than 100 days days from their homes. That situation needs to be settled. We're currently in a stage where Israel is still holding back, only defending itself and not yet taking the initiative, not yet doing preemptive or more active measures against Hezbollah, of course, measures that Israel can and maybe will be forced to take. But at the end of the day, Israel is still hoping for and waiting for diplomacy to deliver a, a riddance of Hamas from the proximity of the border. If that happens, that will save a lot of lives in Israel and in Lebanon and probably in the entire region. If it doesn't, then Israel will have to take care of these matters by the tools that Israel has available, military and other tools. And I hope that we could prevent that. The Houthis have become a major front in the war with Israel. How do you think the U.S., U.K., the international community should address their threat? Yes, well, we're seeing... You know, the masks are coming off the Iranian octopus and their different tentacles in the region, the Houthis being perhaps the uh, advance guard of the Iranians in that area of the world. And it's becoming more and more difficult for anybody in the world to claim that these are not Iranian fingerprints and this isn't aggression by the Iranians. And what we're seeing now, finally, is a global response, an actual actions, uh, not only words, but actions in order to make sure that global shipping can continue to operate in the Red Sea and the Suez Canal. A lot is at stake here. And uh, we're seeing action for the first time. I don't think it will be the last. But what I find very interesting is that there's still this 
for some reason, this buffer of deniability between the Houthis, which are manned, funded, guided, and instructed by the uh, Islamic Republic of Iran, by Tehran, there's still this buffer of deniability, which I find it uh, quite absurd, because what the Houthis are doing is at the behest of the Iranians, and the Iranians should, held, should be held accountable for, the, for their actions in the Red Sea, obstructing international shipping and being a to the world. All right, Jonathan Conriquez, thanks for being with us, sir. Thank you for your insights today. All right, Mark, thanks for that interview with uh, Jonathan Conriquez. Very insightful stuff, as always, from Jonathan. He has uh, got his, uh, he's on the ground there, and he has obviously a lot of context, just being just a spokesperson up till recently. The beginning of the war, he was uh, filling in and doing that. Uh, for the beginning few weeks of the war. And so there's a guy who knows what's going on and understands all too well Iran's involvement and and all of the other angles at play there. So appreciate that insight on the podcast today. And that's going to leave us with time here for one last thing. So I want to take a look at Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. And, you know, you just look at those three things there, Billy. Rejoice. Be patient and be constant. So three things we can be focused on going forth. Our hope in Christ, the tribulations around us, being patient in those, and then always be praying in the midst of all of it going on. Yeah, always turning to God in prayer and not just doing it because we feel like we have to do it, but doing it because we we really believe in the power of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's funny when you look through scripture and you just kind of isolate some of the patterns and things and traits that we're supposed to emulate. So... Uh, a good reminder there on today's edition of the podcast. As always, get on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news. From a Christian perspective, Lord willing, that creek don't rise on us. We'll return tomorrow. God bless. See you then.